Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Share your question or comments using the live chat feature on our website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Again, that's www.allaboutwinebtr.com. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Wow. Good Beautiful weather here in Florida, and they're all happy. You see, I, speaking of weather, I just was watching the national news right before I, I came to the show here. And they're talking about this nasty storm that's supposed to be moving its way through uh, the Midwest, uh, starting Ooh. over in Oklahoma and Kansas and Nebraska and all that, and working its way, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday across that area there. And I mean, they're they're saying it's a major, major storm coming through. So, you all hunker down, you know, buckle yeah. up and hunker down. We don't want anything to happen to you there. So. Definitely. I uh, it said some great guests. Uh, we have a guest next week, so you need to tune in for that. It is um, oh, gee, I just lost it here. I'm sitting there talking, and I lost it. Uh, John John uh, Moiner, I believe it's pronounced John Moiner, who will be our guest next week, and he's uh, four years in the service and has uh, been a involved in the wine industry for many, many years. He's now in charge of uh, Winery uh, Purple Heart Foundation, and he's going to talk about, you know, the benefits of the Purple Heart Foundation and all that. You can donate to that if you like, and you can uh, listen to him and see what's going on. It's a special Memorial Day episode of All About Wine, so tune in next week for that. So, we are... uh, I hear I hear Mike tapping tapping on the keys. Yep, <laughs> making it notes. I need to tilt my mic up a little bit because I do that. I I mute the my phone thing so you don't hear that part. But uh, sometimes I start rattling yeah. off and I forget to mute it. Um, yeah, I did have a, a, a quick quick news item, and it's actually yeah. referring to something that we discussed uh, some time ago. Can you tell the difference between a cheap wine or an expensive wine? And apparently in London. A uh, restaurant diner who oh wait this is England, a restaurant diner who ordered a nice <laughs> bottle of it. <coughs> I can't do that. <laughs> uh, can't do that a, uh, <laughs> a uh, nice bottle of red wine to go with their dinner got something a little bit fancier. They ordered a 2001 uh, Chateau something 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 in French, uh, which was listed at uh, about 335 dollars US. But instead, wow. they mistakenly received a bottle that was worth $5,800. Uh, they, um, they were accidentally given a bottle of uh, 2001 Chateau Le Pin Pomerol. Uh, yeah. And 
and uh, it was, yeah, it was a total accident. And it, it's actually uh, located that particular wine is actually located in the rarities section of Hawksmoor's menu. It was a Hawksmoor uh, restaurant. I guess it's a chain there, a steak chain. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's the most expensive item on the list. And uh, <laughs> they uh, they tweeted about it, and they said, you know, we hope you. Uh, Hope you enjoyed your meal and everything. And uh, they told the uh, the person who uh, accidentally did it. They said, um, uh, "What was it that um, it was just a oh accidentally gave it away? Chin up, uh, one off mistakes, and we love you anyway." Hawksmore added so uh, oh, to the person nice. who accidentally gave it away. So it was taken pretty good. And they posted a picture of the two bottles next to each other. And even the restaurant said that it, they look pretty similar. So uh, similar. So. Uh, uh, they're a little bit off, but uh, yeah, they, they said it was busy, yeah. and um, they uh, went into. It. But could you imagine? I mean, so the couple, I guess, didn't look at the label, or they didn't realize it, or they did look at the label and go, <laughs> "Quick, get the cork off of this thing while they're yeah. drinking," <laughs> before they notice it. You know what? I'm drinking it right from the bottle, so they can't take yeah, it. Yeah, really. <laughs> but um, so. You know, there was there. Was, I saw some comments on Facebook, which where I originally saw the article, but uh, I found the another website that had it. But uh, you know, did the couple not know or could not tell? You know, the three hundred and thirty-five bottle that they ordered from the fifty-eight hundred dollar uh, bottle they that they got. To. So, you know, yeah, mm. yeah, they I had to be able to. If if they're ordering a three hundred thirty-five dollar bottle of wine, they know their wine, so yeah. surely they'd be able to tell if it were. I think, uh, yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> but, you, you, you know, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so I saw that pop up uh, earlier, uh, well, right before the show started. I thought, oh, you know, that he deals with wine and so, a topic we discussed already. So there you go. Um, very good. Hmm. Well, good, good for them, though, for taking it so well. The restaurant, I mean, you know, can you imagine a United States restaurant? You know, but the guy, you'd fire him and, and sue him for the $5,000 or something like that. But, you know, very good for them. To... Like Burns. Burns in their stair, uh, in their cellar at Burns uh, Steakhouse in Tampa, I think their most expensive, at least the one that I found out about some time ago, was like $35,000. Now, Yeah, I think that's most expensive. It was somewhere, somewhere in that. I mean, in that area. But uh, I was like, God, could you imagine mistaking something like that? What, what would they do? I mean, cry? Would they just, you know, oh, it's done? I mean, that's whoa. <laughs> um, well, that, you know, I mean, I, I'm glad to see the British set uh, uh, the bar there, set the standard. Yeah, yeah. Because if that does happen anywhere else, they're going to say, well. You know, is the British can do that with a stiff upper lip? We can too. So, uh, right. <laughs> uh, I hope hope they all learn from that. Hope it doesn't happen. To, uh, but you know, if it does, uh, hope well. it happens to me. But, yeah. We are on our way to we are on our way to Manchester, England, uh, to Hawksmoor. Yes, so. <laughs> we are. Uh, the trouble is, thirty five hundred dollar bottle of wine. Would not probably ordered by me anyway. Yeah. No. Well, you figure three time markup though. That's you know the bottle of wine is probably around what twelve hundred dollars. So you know twelve fifteen hundred dollars if they mark it up three times. But good good for those people ordering something like that. A restaurant too. You know you got to give them credit for that. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's hope that their records. That might be it was actual. 
actual Bordeaux wine from that area. That's got to be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and they probably won't be able to get any more because of Brexit. You know, so that's the last one they'll be able to get. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I was looking at, you know, on a different subject here, I was mm-hmm. looking at our uh, dashboard before the program. We, you know, our, our uh, uh, blog talk radio gives us all sorts of tools to work with and everything here um, mm-hmm. on our uh, on our site. And I was looking at the dashboard, and what really caught my eye was the audience geography. We have had listeners from all over the world. I mean, oh, like wow, yeah, okay. I missed that. Uh, uh, yeah, it's very top that says dashboard. Mm-hmm. And uh, you click on that and then go down to audience geography. And it's 71.77%. Oh, yeah, see that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 79.77% share from the United States. But then Denmark, we, we have number two. <laughs> Denmark, number two, United Kingdom, Canada. And then we've got. You know, we've got listeners from Argentina and, and Chile and uh, Venezuela and, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Brazil, uh, all countries in Africa, all over Europe. Uh, and if you put the uh, cursor on it, you can see it, it tells you most of them, you know, a few listeners, but still, though, listeners from all over the world. And hmm. when I saw that, I'm like, wow, thanks, everyone, for, for tuning in to All About Wine, so... Yeah, that's uh, awesome. That's sort of Very cool. cool there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just you know looking, waiting for the time so I can log in, and I hit that. And I went, oh, that's that's just really pretty neat. So, so yeah. you know, thanks around the world for listening. We we do appreciate yeah. it online. So, absolutely, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see what else is happening in the world. Nothing important. I'm good. Uh, oh, for those of you who are into uh, TV shows, uh, Big Bang Theory ends its run tonight, its last episode yes. ever. So that's something that y'all can DVR record. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hit the, I hit the it's stop it. button. Wow. But it had stopped when you started it again. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I must have. Yep. Yeah. That's gonna be sad. Yeah. And yeah, there's an after sad. there's an after show. Uh they show they show Big Bang Theory and then uh Young Sheldon. I never saw that. And then yeah. after it tonight is the after show uh where they talk with uh, two of the actors from uh, Big Bang Theory and oh, really? um yeah. yeah, they're gonna talk about the you know, the the ending and all that kind of stuff and you know, kind of reminisce, I guess. But uh, yeah, that yeah. comes on after. Um, what is it? Ten o'clock or so? It's for a whole hour, or so. Uh, wow. Yeah, so they, it's going to be sad. The whole cast and crew was on Ellen, and don't get me wrong, I don't watch Ellen. It's usually mm-hmm. on for for the mother-in-law and wife, but uh, they had the whole cast and crew on there. Uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they were talking to them there and they said we grew up on this show I mean and they showed some clips and of some of the very first shows and they all look like little kids I mean, oh yeah <laughs> just, it was amazing just yeah. like, like friends and it ended after his long run there, you know, so yeah. uh, but oh well mm. uh, so if, you know that's, that's coming on for the last time tonight and, and everybody's looking yeah. for the next big hit here now. So, 
Probably uh, a spinoff or something. I don't know. Maybe a spinoff yeah, or something. Yeah. Oh. Game of Thorns <laughs> ending two. I've never seen an episode of that. I haven't uh, either. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, maybe one day I'll binge it, binge watch it or something. But yeah. Right. Oh well. well. Okay. Few shows on that. Um, they need a good wine show on. We they need to pick us up and put us on. Yeah, we could travel in the. Uh, we'll probably take the RV because the jet's still in maintenance. But we could take the RV and yeah. travel to all these wineries and and do interviews there and tour the places. Oh man! And yeah, yeah that I'm surprised they haven't done that with all the with I all really the reality shows good. that are on, and yeah, all the wineries that are out there. I mean, that's several I'm seasons worth. Really, around the, that's. You know, that could be 30, 40 seasons there with all the wineries there. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. And little tours of each one and talk to the winemakers, talk to the people in the winery and stuff like that. That would, that would be something I would definitely watch. I mean, that would, that would be fun. I mean, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll have hmm. to send a letter in to the, to the networks and say, and then they'll say, oh, that's a great idea. And they'll book two other people besides you and I to do it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And we'll sit back and go, that was mine. <laughs> that was my idea. Yeah. Then they'll sue us for using the show all about wine on the blogs. <laughs> right. Yeah. All about wine TV show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah. Hmm. So, what, what do we eat this next week? Today, National Barbecue Day. Uh, if you all have not been out and barbecued, then... You know, do so. The day's not over yet. You can still pop something on the Barbie. Uh, tomorrow, National Cherry Cobbler Day. Saturday, National Cheese Souffle Day. Uh, some light wines with those. You can pick yourself up white wines and have with those. Sunday, National Devil's Food Cake Day. I can see a Barbera with that myself. That, that sounds good. Monday, National Quiche Lorraine Day. What is a quiche Lorraine? Isn't that that little? It's like in a pie pan or something, and it has a. It's got a lot of egg, egg in it, and, uh, and, and I forgot. There's yeah, there's yeah, there's different things in it. It's yeah. uh, all right. I've heard the name over and over. I don't know if I've ever had one. I may have, and not knowing it was a quiche Lorraine. And also, National Pick Strawberries Day is coming up on Monday. So I, I think the season's over here in Florida, but it might not be other places. Tuesday, National Berries and Cream Day. Strawberries and Cream Day coming up Tuesday after you've already picked your berries on Monday. Wednesday, National Vanilla Pudding Day. And then next Thursday, National Taffy Day. I'm sure everybody's seen how they make taffy, but those machines that rolls around and around and around and all that. So that's what's coming up this next week here. Next Friday is National Escargot Day, so you can get yourself prepared for that. So, but uh, and then next Saturday, the twenty fifth, I'll get you. I'll, I'll tease you with this. Next Saturday is National Wine Day. That's the twenty fifth. So any wine. Uh, so uh, you know something to really look forward to there. Um, all right. Now, what else do we have? I well, got a little bit of little bit of stuff here uh, passed on to you that I haven't yet. Amacor Flexible Capsules released Easy Pill Capsules. 
you know how tough it is to pull off the capsules. You got to find the little tab, and sometimes the little tab is buried underneath the capsule. Uh, they came out with an easy fill capsule to make the wine opening easier. The product's capsule design was debuted in the United or at the United The company says the product's capsule design was debuted at the Unified Wine and Grape Symposium. Not only makes wine easier to open, but preserves the time-honored traditions that are important to discriminating affinities. The EasyPill wine opening system uses a one-piece aluminum capsule engineered to open wine bottles along a clean line every time. Unlike other technologies that rely on pull tabs, EasyPill allows consumers and professionals to use traditional bottle openers. Users can cut a clean line every time without tearing, overcutting, or removing the entire capsule, which can distract from the aesthetics wine brands work to develop, according to the company. The system also requires no design or manufacturing changes during the bottling process. So there you go. And you can do that now. You can take your your knife that is on part of every wine opener, uh, particularly the, well, not every, the, what they call the waiter's corkscrew. There's always the knife on the end. You can just peel it right around. But this one's made so that you can just pop it right on one particular spot, and it's an easy peel. So look for those out there. That may be may be available now, what they're saying. I don't know. But uh, Amcor Flexible Flexibles Capsules uh, come out with that. Anyway, oh. I was just served my bottle of wine for this evening from my engineer. It is a BB Coastal Estates Pinot Noir 2014. Uh, it says, established in 1900, BV, our Blue Vineyards, brings over 100 years of experience to every bottle of our coastal estate, that's it, yeah, estates wine. From finding the best vineyards to innovative winemaking processes, we are dedicated to crafting the purest expression of varietals that set the standard for quality in California. Our Pinot Noir has silky, white cherry, plum, and spice flavors, which can be paired with a broad range of foods, including roast turkey, pork, and grilled salmon. And it's from Blue Vineyards in Sonoma, California, and their coastal thing. It just oh, even so, even with it just being open, it's got some nice aromas. I've always been a big Blue Vineyards fan uh, for years and years. They've been around forever. I used to always visit them in California. Go up there. You used to always have a stack of BB wines uh, available in everywhere. I, 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 every place I lived out in California always had them available. 13.5% alcohol by volume, by the way. Oh, that is nice. Not too acidic, but just enough little bite in it to, to make your tongue take notice. Nice thing in wild characteristics. 
I'm not getting a whole lot of uh, cherry, but I'm picking up a lot of plum in it. What they say, cherry, plum, and what else? Uh, cherry, plum, and spice flavors. Yeah, a little bit of spicy flavors in it, but more plumminess coming out. Uh, very nice. Not not a lot of tannins in it. 2014 is still. Well, it's 2019 now, so it's not really young. But uh, tannins have, have mellowed out and it's presenting itself with nice flavors and nice aromas right now. So that's what I will be sipping on periodically throughout our evening here. Okay, the Vizier Family Vineyards, V-E-Z-E-R, Vizier Family Vineyards, launched Baby Maker. An estate-grown wine combining the brands Petit Syrah and the Reserve Zimadol. Made with 58% Petit Syrah and 42% Zimadol, Baby Maker features a 15.1% alcohol by volume content. Packaged in a 750-milliliter bottle, the red blend wine is available in select markets for retail price of $25.99. Baby Maker which opens up all sorts of mental possibilities with that name, doesn't it? Next one here, Florence, uh, Floral Essence. Prestige Beverage Group expanded its Reseta, Reseta wine lineup with Reseta Sparkling Rosé. The wine features aromas of strawberry, raspberry, and delicate floral notes, along with characteristics of persistent bubbles and balanced acidity. The 750ml bottle has 11% alcohol by volume content and a suggested retail price of $16.99. And one more, well, a couple more here. When with wine, with baseball season underway, the New York Mets fans can enjoy more than beer at the ballpark. Tusac Jumper now is the official partner of the New York Mets through 2020, and ballpark guests to City Field, City Field can enjoy quality wines from around the world, the company says. The partnership also comes as the Mets roll out a carafe program, allowing guests to decant and share a bottle of wine right at their seats. Tusac Jumper wines on the game day roster include a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, Italian Pinot Grigio, and Prosecco wines a Pinot Noir from southern France, and an organic Malbec from Argentina. Quote, we are truly honored to be partnering with the New York Mets, said John Oliveira, co-founder of Tucson Jumper Wines and owner of tri Imports, in a statement. Continued, quote, it's our hope that ballpark guests will have fun exploring new wines and tasting new winemaking regions. Well, that's interesting. I, I'm still, you know, and I haven't pursued it much anymore. Now's a good time to do it since I'm retired and I'm looking for things to do. Try to find out what wines are being served at all sporting event venues around the country. Baseball, basketball, soccer, uh, football. Uh, what wines, if any, are being done. I, I, there's no, no real database for it because I've tried to find something. There isn't. So... I'm thinking about putting together something so that I can, you know, maybe we can create a, a site so people can go. So if they're going to the ballpark or something, they know what wines are available there. I think that'd be a nice feature, but 
you know, it's going to take some time. And I first mentioned, I think, two or three years ago, and I haven't followed up on it, so that I'd forgotten about it until just now. And the last little bit here, the headline says, Not to a buck, Chuck. What's the best wine in the world? Every winemaker would love to produce it. Every wine lover would love to drink it and hoard a few bottles in the cellar. Every wine writer would love to anoint it and tell you to buy it. Vivino, the popular wine app with 35 million subscribers worldwide, says the best wine in the world is the Scarecrow Cabernet Sauvignon 2015 from Napa Valley in California. Wow, that's a pretty bold statement. That's based on Vivino's data mining of the 40 million reviews and 120 million ratings its members posted online last year. Its winemaker, Celia Welch, is a consulting winemaker who has crafted some of Napa's most touted and most expensive Cabernets. The winery sells directly to an exclusive membership list. A quick internet search finds the 2015 Scarecrow, Scarecrow Cabernet listed at $450 a bottle at Total Wine and More in Las Vegas' South Strip or $950 at the Burlington, Massachusetts store. Despite the price variation, the wine is apparently not available at either location. Vivino and similar apps create a social media dynamic. They become bragging boards for members to showcase the rare and expensive wines they're drinking. Those people from England should get on there and tell about their story. It's a Venus one-upmanship. The Vivino Wine Awards should be taken with a grain of salt, but that doesn't mean they don't provide insight into how we are buying and enjoying wine. So there you go. You can you can subscribe to that too, the, the, the Vino uh, wine app. Uh, th- th- that's just one of many that are out there. I've mentioned different apps before, so uh, you can go back and let's just check out some past episodes when I've talked about different apps. That's just one of them. But the Scarecrow, wow, the Scarecrow 2015 Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa. Uh, did I? Yeah, Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa. It's the best wine in the world. Yeah, okay. So so there you go with those things for tonight. I've got uh got a few things to pass on to you here. Uh, let me find it and pull it up here. And tell you about it. Okay. First thing I don't think I mentioned this. E.J. Gallo Winery announces a deal with Constellation Brands. I, did I bring that up or not? I think maybe I did. I'm starting to think. But uh, Yep, I, last I had, uh, week. It was it last week? Okay. I, I, I thought yeah. maybe I did talk about it. Yeah. Uh, they sold yeah, he, uh, 40%. Yeah. Yeah, the, from uh, yeah. Constellation Brands and bought it. So, yeah, that's, uh, I have that here and I just, I'm thinking, I'm sure I talked about it. Uh, the uh, Gallup portfolio. And I'm going to run through this quickly here because it is just it's just so inclusive. So yeah, I'm sure you've had yeah because I talked about the uh, the cork uh, what they do with corks. But the Gallup portfolio is comprised of more than 100 unique brands. 
including Barefoot Cellars, Dark Horse, Gallo Family Vineyards, as well as the Necker Grape and Vin Vault, which are box wines. It also includes Apothic, uh, Carnivore, Chateau Sauvignon, Columbia Winery, Echo Domini, uh, J Vineyards and Winery, Louis Martini as part of the Gallo family, uh, Marisou, William Hill Estate. Uh, imports include Alamos, uh, La Marca, uh, Whitehaven, Lux. Uh, they also import vodkas and gins and brandies and all sorts of stuff, uh, scotch whiskeys. Uh, so big, big, big company. But some of those wines I just mentioned, I'm sure you've had them before, not realizing that they were part of the ENJ Gallo company. And it is. I, I'm sure people drink ENJ Gallo wines all the time and not aware of the fact that they are drinking ENJ Gallo wines. So uh, it is uh, an enormous company there. I need to check and see if they're still doing their. Uh, the Feed, Feed America thing that they were doing for a while now. California has a new... Uh, well, let's see if I can find it. New Great Growing Region. It is... As soon as it comes up here... Oh, I think I talked about... Maybe I talked about all these things on here. For some reason, this is still here. Now you see. Make a note by it that I... already talked about it. Maybe I didn't on this for some reason. I don't know. Let me see here. I got trying to listen to the show and I'm sitting here talking about stuff I just talked about last week. That's ridiculous. California's newest great growing region is the Petaluma Gap. Yes, I did talk about the Petaluma Gap. I remember that now. Um, foggy area. America's newest viticulture area. Noted for Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Syrah. Uh, longer growing season, cool weather, uh, fog and wind coming through the Petaluma Gap. Uh, two or three wineries in that area there. It's, uh, uh, it is a, a real gap. Uh, the, uh, it is now the 240th Appalachian. 240 Appalachians in the United States, and most people still don't know what a viticulture uh, AVA is in America. Uh, Petaluma Gap is located in the uh, Sonoma County, just uh, part of the Sonoma Coast. It overlaps Sonoma Coast AVA, and it is uh just south of the Russian River area and all that. So the Petaluma Gap, you probably won't see that on labels for a long time. In Marin County, part of Marin County stuff, you probably will not be seeing that on labels um, because most of the time they say Sonoma. Most people don't know Petaluma Gap. Maybe some of them will, but uh, that's what is the newest now. 270 AVAs in this country. That is unbelievable. 270. So, uh, Petaluma Gap is the is the newest one, and let's see, SIP certified. This is uh, the certify 
wines that are, and if it pulls it up, boy, this computer has been slow all day. I've been searching stuff, and I've been waiting all day to get connected with stuff. SIP Certified released the list of 38 wines newly certified as sustainable for 2019. Uh, SIP Certified, which stands for Sustainably in Practice, our SIP, uh, Sustainability in Practice. It just released their uh, newly certified list for spring of 2019. It also includes many repeats and 11 new ones. it is, uh, well, it's not just the wines. The, the wines themselves get certified, get certified for sustainability and practice. But Besso, I will tell you the wineries, uh, the new wine certifications, including Besso Winery, Brian, uh, Byron Winery, California Fresh Market, Castoro Cellars, Cobble Creek Vineyards, ha- uh, Halter. Ranch, Lafon, Preskill Winery, River Bench Vineyard, River Bench Vineyard and Winery, Santa Barbara Winery, and Timber Winery. Now each of those do have wines individually certified. So it's, it's those are the wines that come out. The Bisa has two, for example. Uh, California Fresh Market only one. Cable, uh, Cobble Creek has four. Uh, Timber has let's see three, six, nine. Uh, so these are the wines, new wines that are freshly certified for the spring of 2019. Uh, sustainability and practice or SIP certified is one of the wines industry's oldest and most important third-party assessment programs. It utilizes a block-to-bottle integrated approach to management, enabling farmers, wineries, and winemakers to preserve the environment and protect human resources. SIP certified boosts strict, non-negotiable requirements and standards based on science, expert input, independent verification, transparency, and the absence of conflict of interest. SIP certified launched its pilot program in 2008 with 3,700 acres of vines between Monterey and Santa Barbara counties. Today, there are 43,600 acres of vines in California and Michigan, two wineries, and more than 36 million bottles of wine have been SIP certified. So that's what SIP certified is, and that's what they do. So you can check them out at SIPcertified.com. I believe it's .com. Yes. And they will, uh, they can uh, get the list of all the wines and everything there that are newly certified ones that have been in the past. So that's always a good thing there. That certified. Uh, okay, let's see what we got here. I think this next one is one I probably should skip, but we talked about how healthy wine is over and over and over again. And now this says major study debunks myth that moderate drinking can be healthy. What? Blood pressure and stroke risk rise steadily the more alcohol people drink. 
and previous claims that one or two drinks a day might protect against stroke are not true, according to results of a major genetic study. Genetic, obviously, not targeting any one thing. The research, which used data from 160,000 strong cohort of Chinese adults, many of whom are unable to drink alcohol due to genetic intolerance, found that people who drank moderately, consuming 10 to 20 grams of alcohol a day, raised their risk of stroke by 10 to 15 percent. 10 to 20 grams is not much. Uh, let me tell you, it's, it's well, the grams, they're not doing it in liquid form, they're doing it in weight form. For, for heavy drinkers consuming four or more drinks a day, blood pressure rises significantly and the risk of stroke increases by around 35%. Now, when they're saying four or more drinks, then they're saying 10 to 20, what, 10 to 20 grams of alcohol. I, I wonder what their basis is on 10 to 20 grams. That's that's the part that I'm I'm, I'm confused. So the key message here is that at least for stroke, there is no protective effect of moderate drinking. Said. Uh, Professor Chen, I'm not going to try to pronounce his first Chinese first name, uh, from the Oxford University's Department of Population Health, the genetic evidence shows that the protective effect is not real. The World Health Organization estimates that around 2.3 billion people worldwide drink alcohol, with average person daily consumption at 33 grams of pure alcohol a day. Okay, that is roughly equivalent to 250 mil glasses of wine, a large 750 bottle of beer, or two 40 mil shots of spirits. So 250 mil glasses of wine, uh, which is this, that's about five ounces, a little real right around five ounces. So 150 mils right around five ounces. Uh, of wine a day. This latest study published in the Lancet Medical Journal focused on people of East Asian descent, many of whom have genetic variants that limit alcohol tolerance. Well, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to editorialize yet until we go on and see what else they have to say. Because the variants have specific and large effects on alcohol, but do not affect other lifestyle factors such as diet, smoking, economic status, or education that can be used by scientists to nail down casual effects of alcohol make, uh, intake. Using genetics in a novel way, this to sort out whether moderate drinking is really protective or whether it's slightly harmful, uh, says uh, uh, epidemiologists at Oxford, uh, Iona Millwood, one genetic analysis have helped to understand the effects, cause and effect relationship between alcohol and how it affects you. But the findings about the biological effects of alcohol should be the same for all people worldwide, they said. No, yeah, no, I can't. If people are intolerant, why would it be the same for all people worldwide? That doesn't make sense. 
Europe has the highest per person alcohol consumption in the world, even though it has dropped by around 10% since 2010. The WHO said, the current trends point to a global rise in per capita consumption in the next 10 years. So two glasses a day does not reduce your risk of stroke. It can raise blood pressure, can raise stroke, according to this study. But this was done in China, and this was done on people who are genetically unable to drink alcohol. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I don't know if we should take a whole lot of stock in that. You should be drinking moderately anyway. So two glasses of wine is, you know, a little low. Most people usually end up having more than that, but that is what the recommendation is, two glasses of wine. So I saw something funny on the Internet today. Uh, It says, when are they going to start making bottles of wine big enough for two people? so two glasses of wine, which you should be drinking, two, five, uh, five ounces. Of, a bottle of wine contains 24 point, 24, 20, 24.6 ounces, 25.6 ounces, so, so a bottle of wine. But newest study does not bode well for those of us who drink wine. Okay, let's see. This, we've talked about biodynamic wine. We've talked about it quite a bit. Let me get a sip of wine here. So. Hmm. It's even better than Morton just says there. Biodynamic wine, is it worth it? Is it worth the trouble and cost of conversion to biodynamic wine for wineries? And this is something that I have questioned. Is it, does it really make that much difference? Implementing biodynamics across a vineyard site requires significantly more attention and prep than conventional management. Couple that with calendar-specific work days and a strict following of the lunar cycle and even the smallest vineyard would have trouble, time restraints and financial challenges to keep that going. So is it actually achievable to do biodynamics? A Charles D. Burnett, Burnett, president and CEO of Chile's Domains Burnett, which spans 370 hectares across Chile, says is not impossible, but almost. He analyzed the precise logistics and a higher number of workers needed in the vineyard to do biodynamics, noting that some treatments are prepared up to a year in advance, which they are. I mean, if you follow the whole biodynamic thing, you got to do some stuff a long time in advance points out that his estate has two major challenges uh, in the fact that biodynamic principles created for the universal application and not for site-specific, failing to promote the uniqueness of place, terror he's talking about here, I'm sure, as well as the substantial cost of implementation. And this challenging feat uh, in affordable wine production is 
tough to meet, he's saying, on a small scale. It doesn't really matter, but when you have a few hundred hectares, the cost generated by biodynamic management is quite relevant. Despite the difficulties, he says the outcome is worth it. My question. The main and most clear benefit is the health of the vineyard, he says. Noting that the wines produced in harmony with the environment depict the perfect reflection of terror. Thanks to the holistic philosophy, the vineyard will have healthy soil and keep its natural diversity. So he's saying, yeah, it's, it's going to be great for the vineyard and everything. But it's expensive. Explain that regardless of vineyard size, every portion of the property must be treated individually. You have to pay attention to the individual vines and where they are and the microclimates and all that. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to go biodynamic and treat everything the same. Uh, it has some advantages and disadvantages. He describes it as the state has their own production workshop where preparations are created, which you have to. I mean, it's biodynamic. If you're familiar with it, it's planning by phase of the moon, filling cow horn with um, manure and stuff and letting it set in the ground, all sorts of things. So it is a, a prep. It's a prep involved in it. So a big vineyard uh, is going to be tough. It's easier to be romantic about small size projects, he says, but the philosophy of biodynamics uh, take hold. It has to become normalized, not just among small producers, but among large ones, too. And he said, and that's where it starts becoming a problem. Not all winemakers are convinced, however. And Crete, uh, Giannis Stilanew, Stilano, winemaker and owner of Still New Wines, explains that with larger properties, cultivating with biodynamic Christmas is nearly impossible, mainly because farmers are only permitted to execute vineyard work on a small amount of very specific days. If you have lots of workers, it's a lot easier, but it's too costly, he said. And smaller vineyards, it's much easier to cultivate biodynamically. But because of the way biodynamics is set up, you can only do it at certain times at and certain periods and stuff. Uh, Stu Smith, partner and endologist at St. Helena Bay Smith Madrone Vineyards, dug deep in the world of biodynamics and still wasn't convinced. He said, I discovered that Rudolf Snyder who is the founder of biodynamics, had never been a farmer, he says, noting that Steiner went from student to agricultural theorist without any experience in the field. So Smith explains that when he had challenged biodynamics farmers on the lack of trials and published results, the response was always that it's a belief system. Aha. Uh -huh. A little disparity for the greatness of biodynamics here. Smith highlights that although the inflammation of biodynamics began to grow across larger estates in Europe, sizable ventures within Napa Valley actually gave up cultivating their vineyards biodynamically after realizing the inefficiency of the practices. 
Smith also takes issue with what he deems to be close close-mindedness amongst biodynamic farmers, both large and small. They're the only group out there that says our way is the only way and everyone else is doing it wrong. <laughs> Organic and sustainable farmers aren't don't do that, but biodynamic farmers do. We haven't talked any. We've just read things about it, and we haven't talked any about dynamic. We talked to one, but he didn't come across as this is the only way to do it. But from what uh, uh, Stu Smith there says, it's a attitude problem among biodynamic growers. Uh, Smith says he, it looks like it might be a fast track to making money. Um, many wineries need to find their place, and so the appeal of biodynamics is one way to do it. Uh, he says it's a marketing ploy. Do you see biodynamic carrots, lettuce, peaches? No. They're doing it in wine in America as a marketing concept, so they sell product easier and get a higher price for it. Although the biodynamic wines that I have seen and purchased are not particularly more expensive, so I don't know about that. Though the large-scale farmers who are passionate about biodynamics, their sentiments remain unchanged. They state there's not a single reason to say large-scale as a problem when working biodynamically. This is from the Fred uh, Lamar, who is the owner and winemaker in Austria's Wengut Fred Lamar winery. You can manage larger-scale farming by dividing the land into smaller parcels. And that's about the only way to do it. He says, uh, weather conditions uh, are one of the biggest challenges the winery faces, and yet that is overcome by dividing it into smaller patches and doing the, bio, uh, the biodynamic in the small patches as if they were each an individual vineyard. Uh, let's see. Uh, Alos Lagader from Alto Adage says that the size of his farm played no role. No matter how big the vineyard is, biodynamics means expanding the universe of uh, the observational horizon with regards to soil and plant. You need to observe and interpret your surroundings from different perspectives. So he says uh, you can uh, do a lot of stuff by hand and also by tractor, which I don't know if that's legal in biodynamics. The benefit of biodynamics, says Lagador, uh, is not related to the size of the estate. Uh, biodynamics is not a magic wand where suddenly everything gets better. You have to deal intensively with the matter. It helps to broaden one's horizon. You question the approach, but then you just keep at it. Implementing biodynamic principles across uh, 50 acres for Steve Beckman and his winery simply meant having a deeper understanding of his vineyard. He knows that managing leaf water days have proven to be most difficult in adhering to the biodynamic calendar but that working certain parts of the vineyard on specific days can actually be beneficial. Large-scale biodynamic requires a firm understanding of your vineyard. 
which develops over time. Uh, he says you can organize your field into sections with field crews and stuff and make the right area that are in the right areas on each day. So, uh, Beckman is able to prepare 180 gallons of sprays and spread it across the 50 uh, hectares in two days, which is his entire vineyard. The calendar has furthered our understanding of the various blocks we farm. So therefore, it makes for a higher quality grapes. So, you know, they still didn't answer your question. Is it worth it? Is it worth the trouble and the cost? Half of them say yes, other half say no. It doesn't really do anything for the vineyard, doesn't do anything for you, doesn't do anything at all. Why waste your time? So we still don't have our answer. Is it worth it? Yeah. I, well, I, I haven't even proved that biodynamics is worth it yet myself. So I, I really can't mean that way quite yet. All right, yeah, colors of wine. This is interesting. Uh, this is from uh, Wine Folly. Wine Folly is a pretty good site. If you don't have it, you can subscribe to Wine Folly, and they send out a lot of information. They have a great new book out now, too, a really, really great new book uh, that breaks down all this stuff. But um, if I can find how to do this, I'll try to post this onto the Facebook page. Uh, this is uh, talking about uh, different colors of wine and what you're going to find. They are making different wine colors of wine now. You've got red, you've got orange, which I had an orange wine, and I had a green wine. Uh, onion skin rosé, uh, which various rosé wines, including Zimbabwean Pinot Noir. Orange, white wines made with skin contact using orange wine. I actually had orange in mine. Yellow wines, green wines, uh, biodynamic, organic, and sustainable wines tend to go a little bit green. Uh, aromatized wines, uh, cannabis-infused wines. It's a good use for mixing wine with weed, if you will. Uh, give you cannabis-infused, give you green wines. Uh, cannabis wines are... Uh, you know, know the label, use various strains of cannabis that are cold extracted into the wine during vinification. The final product cannot legally be called wine and is labeled as a wine tincture. Instead, it's 12% alcohol by volume, 3% THC. And the wine started out as standard red or white, and then the THC is added to it to give it the color and it gives you a green wine. Um, it's, uh, I don't know if it's legal to, in any other states besides the states that have passed sales of marijuana or not. I would guess not, since it does contain 3% THC, which is the active ingredient for marijuana, so you can only, probably only buy it in certain states around the country right now. Uh, so, you know, actual green colored wine. Uh, to get it green, they're saying here you might have to grab a ball of green number three and add it to it. Blue wine. This is uh, indigo flavored wine. Uh, 
This is a, uh, a Spanish company named Git, G-I-K. It's marketing a blue wine and it's available for pre-order in the United States. It's a cobalt blue color and it's made from red and white grapes grown in various regions of Spain. The blue color comes from addition of indigotin, indigotin an organic compound. Uh, that is found in grape scams. So they break it down and add it to it and gives you an indigo wine. So that is good. You can pre-order that. Violet or purple wines. Um, Musk- Melbeck Rosé is a light pink. Uh, Pell Purple. Uh, Gamay Noir or Valapicella. Deep Purple. Syrah. Pinotage. Melbeck. These all purple colors and other colors. You can get uh, all sorts of different colors, especially if you start going into sherries and uh, ports and stuff like that. That's going to open up a whole world of colors for you on that. But uh, uh, color finds, they're, they're expanding it a lot. Uh, I'll see if I can't get this onto the website because there's a lot of pictures here and a lot of stuff. So if I can transfer that over to the website, I'll have my engineer do it. That's what she's good at. And get it over into the All About Wine page. No, well, not the website, but the uh, Facebook page of All About Wine. I'll see if I can't get it there. So you all can look at it and see the different colors there. And let's see. Let's see. Do we have something else to talk about? That... No, we'll wait. It's 8 o'clock, so... We'll let everybody jump jump in and watch uh last episode. <laughs> it's a big event. Whatever. Big bang. Yeah. Um <laughs> I did go to uh I did go to everycorkcounts.com and mm-hmm. on the main page it says the Gallo family vineyards, every cork counts has ended. Now oh. I don't I don't know if that means the December because it ended uh, the last um the last time you could take a photo of your cork or, or um, uh, closure uh, from the Gallo family wines um, was from uh, December 31st last year. And I don't know if the whole program is over with. It looks like it is, or if it's just done until the season starts again, I have no idea, but uh, it looks like it looks like it's done because even in the facts, it, uh, the, the frequently asked questions, it goes back and says that it started in um now i lost it um december 31st was the um the the last time that the corks were being collected and it started in uh it's been going on for a while and i lost yeah. a year um <laughs> terms condition it's in there somewhere and i missed it oh uh the program was uh, the program's inception was uh 2010 so yeah, it looks like it's it's done for. But um, well, nothing, nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but they've raised quite a bit, more than six hundred thousand dollars to uh, Meals on Wheels. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, that's amazing. Um, it's a, it was a good program. I promoted as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I contributed a lot of corks. I had people stop by the winery and used to drop off corks. Uh, I used to talk about it. And people drop off corks and. Um, then they started sending pictures in, so it was a lot yeah. easier 
and instead of mailing it and all that or shipping it. But uh, great program. I, I was really impressed with the program all the way through, and it was uh, and it's too bad that they, they ended it because I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that fantastic. was on the website. Yeah, well, that's, that is too bad. So, I, I, saw, I saw something else, too. I, I'm not going to uh, – let me find it here. Uh, there it is. I saw that this is a uh, well. I, I get an email from a Carl Storchman, and this is technical email. It, it it goes in and it has all sorts of information here about a whole bunch of stuff, and not just wine, but different things, but quite a bit about wine and all that. And there, there reviews of different books, wine books, and things, and. It's a good website, a little technical though, but I saw this one thing on here that caught my eye, and it's called Don't Judge a Wine by Its Closure, Price Premiums for Ports in the U.S. Wine Market. I was looking through that. That was very interesting. It's long. It's like 25 pages long. It comes up in a, a PDF file. I'm going to post that if anyone wants to read it. It is interesting. It, it, it again, it's technical, but it is a very interesting article on the uh, a technical article. It goes into charts and it shows charts and uh, premium wines and corks and the drinking of people and, and all sorts of stuff. It's uh, very, very interesting. I thought, wow, and it's good. And I thought, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about this because it's just, it's too long to begin with. But I will <laughs> post that if anybody is interested, you can, you can check it out. Uh, don't judge a wine by its closure. Price premiums for corks in the U.S. wine market is the name of it, and I'll, I'll get it up on on the Facebook page. It seems like Facebook's a better spot to post stuff as opposed to the website so i'll do it there sure. sounds good uh, yeah we'll it is look forward to that. Definitely. Yeah. So. um we will go ahead and close the show for this evening it is 802 plus uh p.m and we will be back on uh, may the 23rd at 7 p.m eastern time in the u.s that's may the 23rd and we are looking forward to having our uh, guest from uh, Purple Heart Wines. Uh, we'll get that uh, yes. definitely finalized and uh, get him on the program uh, for next week. So uh, be sure to catch us uh, next week, uh, May, the 30, May the 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, thanks for tuning thanks for in. And, yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll see you all next week. There. Be safe. Be, be safe. There. Thank see you. you all right. <laughs> we'll see you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.